Okay, our text this morning is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. We're going to read just a couple verses together. In this letter to the church in Thessalonica, Paul writes this, and in chapter 2, verse 13, he says, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the tradition that you were taught by us either by our spoken word or by our letter. I told you, introduced last week, I've got a series of four sort of topical messages that we're sort of inserting in between our study through the Gospel of Mark. What prompted it was my own personal sense, a desire, a need for renewal, for God's Spirit to do a work in my life, in your life, in our lives corporately, an infusion of spiritual life into our Christian experience brought about by the Holy Spirit. That's what I long for. It's what I'm praying for. The past couple of years, COVID, along with all the fears and frustrations that it brought with it, the racial tensions that we hear about, know about, some experience, watch on the news that continue to emerge, the political strife that we've seen that apparently seems to have just only increased in this particular time, has left many Christians and many local churches Weary, bewildered, agitated, divided. Well, God is using these things to sovereignly expose things in our hearts and in our churches that he desires to address and correct and comfort and strengthen. God is also showing us precisely how much we need him. I hope that's what's emerging out of all the struggle of the last couple of years. There should be, and if there's not, let me put it into your thinking. We need the Lord. We need the Lord more than we ever realized we need the Lord, and so it should be our heart's desire for the Lord to come and bless and provide and speak. In a sense, Lord, come and renew us. And so my intention with the four-part series is to basically prepare our hearts for that. Four-week series of topics that are basically the, um, the primary elements of renewal, as Richard Lovelace would say uh, in his book, as he would call them. And so we started with this idea about Jesus and the new wine in the old wineskins and new wine being put into new wineskins with the understanding that we're asking God to pour out a spirit, which he has and which he will and continue to do so, which is the new wine. And then the issue is, you know, are we wineskins that are ready and prepared to hold this new wine? And this new wineskin, I understand to be the gospel truths, the foundations of the gospel. In other words, Jesus is coming into a context and saying, look, we're trying to, trying to pour the spirit out into this old wineskin, the ways of the law, your old religion, 
and I'm coming and preaching a, 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 the kingdom of heaven with, a, with, a, with a, a new gospel here, and this is what you need to understand. And with this and receiving this and believing this, you'll be like a new wineskin, and to pour the Spirit into that new wineskin will be remarkable and a wonderful blessing. Last week we talked about justification. I am accepted in Christ. Everything rests on that, that foundational doctrine. We, we must know this. We must understand it. We must continue to, to go back to it, to interact with it, to draw from it, to depend upon it. That's the foundation. Everything rests on that. This morning, I'd like to talk to you about sanctification. I am free from the bondage of sin in Christ. Sanctification. I'm free. I'm free from the bondage of sin in Christ. Once the foundation of justification, once the foundation of I am accepted, I am loved by God, accepted in Him, in Christ, He has declared me right in His standing. Immediately upon that, immediately after that, setting down upon that comes the grace of sanctification to begin a work of making us holy. In the text that I read, it says that God chose us to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth so that we may obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. At the heart of this message is that the grace of sanctification is the truth that while we were in bondage to sin in Christ, we're no longer in bondage to sin. In Christ, we've been set free. But transitioning from bondage to freedom is not as easy as it sounds. You would think it would be the easiest thing in the world. Let out of prison, free, the very thing we desire, wonderful, and yet the transition from bondage to freedom is not an easy one. In the movie, The Count of Monte Cristo, sorry, I haven't read the book, I watched the movie, so I, as I understand, some of the facts are a little bit different between the movie and the book. In the movie, based on the novel by Alexander Dumas, Edmond Dantes finds himself in prison through a false accusation of a jealous friend. So like Eve in the garden, he was tricked with some smooth words, but then convicted of treason, sentenced to spend 13 years in Le Chaudif, the prison island. In his darkest hour, he meets a fellow inmate, a priest, who mistakenly digs a tunnel into Edmund's cell. Trying to escape, he go, makes a wrong turn, digs his tunnel, and shows up inside Edmund's cell. And then they begin to dig together, dig towards their freedom. But the priest dies, and it's actually, as it turns out, through the death of the priest that Edmund finds his freedom. He doesn't dig his way out, the priest dies, and he finds a way to insert himself 
into the place of the priest's dead body and gets expelled from the prison. The priest taught him all kinds of things, all kinds of skills. He grew in knowledge and skills and so forth. And he also revealed to him the location of the treasure of Sparta. So now, Edmund is free from prison. He is filthy rich. He takes on an entirely new identity, the Count of Monte Cristo. The tension and the conflict in the story is what will he do now that he's free, now that he's wealthy, now that he has everything you or I could even imagine, and more so, what will he do with his new life? And while the priest insisted that he use the wealth for good, Edmund was determined to use it for revenge. Let me read you just a sentence. This is from Tony Murrow. He's got a theology and movies website. Edmund has already been redeemed, but does not understand what it is to live in that freedom. Dante's continues to sleep on the floor next to his spectacular bed because though he is free from the walls of Le Chateau d'If, he remains in some way in prison. If I remember right, the scene in the movie shows the morning and he's lying on the floor next to this immaculate bed. I think he makes some statement, some habits die hard. So used to sleeping on the floor in prison for 13 years. Now that he's free, he finds himself still inclined to sleep on the floor. Given a mass amount of wealth, having more to compensate for anything beyond he could imagine he has been given all the resources and then some, and yet in his heart still stuck with revenge, totally free, fully supplied, with supply to spare, new identity, new wealth, new life, and yet sleeping on the floor. The grace of sanctification is the power of God in our lives, enabling us to live out the freedom we have in Christ. Simple definition of sanctification, the progressive work of God and believers that makes us more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. That's from Wayne Grudem. Richard Lovelace that I've referred to a couple times simply says progress and actual holiness expressed in our lives. It's the process of God changing us. It's the process of God taking someone who is justified, someone who has been given all things in Christ, someone who has been declared righteous and given a new identity, the process at that point that begins to change us and train us into the new identity that we have been given. Sanctification in the scriptures comes to us in three stages, a beginning, a middle, and an end, a past, a present, and a future. 
Each one is important for us to understand, and that's simply what I want to communicate to you this morning. I just want us to walk through the three aspects of sanctification. My aim is that we would not hear the word sanctification or holiness and immediately think, and maybe you've already been here, oh no, we're going to talk about how I'm failing. We're going to talk about what's wrong with me. We're going to talk about how short I'm coming, not up to the mark yet. When you hear the word sanctification, my hope, my aim is that your mind and your heart is not going to go there necessarily, but instead that this, when I say sanctification, we're talking about this is God's Spirit at work in you and in me, teaching us to live out our new identity in Christ. I'd like to do what I can to shift your attention off of yourself and onto Him. The grace of sanctification. I want you to leave the room today feeling and knowing this is what God is doing. This is the power of God at work in my life. So I hope in saying sanctification or referring to holiness that I'm not making you uptight or causing you to feel defeated, but rather, by God's grace, we are embracing the grace of God in our lives because that's what God wants to do. That's what God is able to do. That's what he promises to do, to change me. Can you believe it? The beginning, past sanctification. There is an initial sanctification that takes place at our conversion. 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Past tense, an event, it took place. Sometimes the Bible talks about our sanctification as an event that has taken place, bringing us back to our conversion. At our conversion, if you're here and you are a Christian, there was a point in time where you were justified, converted, brought into God's household. A change of heart was wrought by the Spirit in your life. And at that moment, an initial work of sanctification took place in you. It's where you were set apart and in that sense made holy. This initial sanctification was God's grace, God's work to set you apart and show you your new identity, who you now are in Christ. Set apart by God and for God and for the good works that he's prepared for us and called us into. What is happening here is that our hearts, our new hearts, are getting established. You are being fitted with a new outfit, a new identity at that point. And that initial sanctification is where that initial dominion of sin is broken in our lives. Romans 6 talks about the forgiveness of our sins and a new heart being given and the power and bondage of sin broken for we will have no more, sin will have no more dominion over you. We have been set free from sin, Romans 6, 18. 
And this is why in 1 John 3, 9, John writes, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. And we know and understand that phrase, you know, you read that at, at face value and think, well, wait a minute, we do keep on sinning. But he's saying, no, something has taken place in your heart that stops you from just simply continuing in sin. Something has been awakened where you realize, oh, this is not me. This is not my path. This is not the path God has set me on. The beginning determines the way. At that point, initially, conversion, there's a new love for God. There's new desires put into our heart. Love for His Word, love for His ways, a hatred towards sin, sorrow over sin. It all sets us on a course and points us in the right direction. The beginning of our Christian walk, <laughs> we have very few credentials. We know very little. We're not theologically astute. We've not grown in godliness. We have no experience that would mark us as being a mature Christian. We are born again. We are new babies in the faith at that point. We have very little to show for it except this initial grace of God in sanctification. I have new desires. I have a new love. I have new hatreds. I have new ambitions. I've got something set in my heart that is setting me on a new course. It is completely different than the course I was on a moment earlier. I have just transitioned from a life, a heart, a set of desires that are fully set on satisfying myself. And God, by His Spirit, did a work of grace in my life, and now I have a new set of desires. My longing now is to please the Lord. I love what God has done for me. I'm amazed at what he's done for me. And it's changed me, and now I want to please him. I want to live for him. I want to put to death sin in my life. At the very outset, we're a little bit like the blind man in John chapter 9, who Jesus healed from his blindness. But while all the religious leaders were trying to find a way to condemn Jesus, they kept interviewing this guy over and over. They even went to his parents and kept saying, tell me more about Jesus. What is it about Jesus? Who did this to you? Why did he do this to you? And finally, the guy, in a bit of, uh, bit of frustration, says, look, look, I don't know much about Jesus. But I know this. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. That's you and me at the beginning. I don't know much about the Bible. I don't know much about theology. I don't know much about sound doctrine. I know this. Jesus set me free. Jesus gave me a new set of eyes. I, I see now like I've never seen before. This is the beginning of sanctification. This is the phase one, stage one of our sanctification. An initial work of God's grace, putting in our hearts new desires. I have to ask you a quick point of application here at the end of point number one. How are you doing with this initial work of sanctification in your life? Still there, still alive, still relying on it, still looking to it. 
Sometimes we lose our way. Sometimes we drift. Sometimes our hearts grow cold, and we forget that. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus writes a letter to the church in Ephesus, and this was the issue, and this was the challenge. I have this against you, he said, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. Do you remember when you were first a Christian? Do you remember the change of heart? Do you remember the fresh new desires? Do you remember how glorious and how healing that was and how remarkable it was to feel free from having to serve yourself? And this new love of wanting to please the Lord into this whole new world of God's grace, do you remember it? God did it that way for a reason. It was supposed to mark your memory and my memory. It was an initial work of changing our hearts and setting us in the right direction. I hope you never forget it. If you do forget it, Jesus is telling us, so, so go back. So go back there. Think about it again. Look at it again. Remember what it was like and get your soul back into that same place. Then we move on to the middle, the present sanctification. Sanctification has three stages. The second one is presently, today, what God is doing in our lives. This, this is really the, the predominant way that we think of and talk about sanctification, the ongoing work of the Spirit. The old sinful desires remain, don't they? Like Edmund, still sleeping on the floor. Why? The bed's right there. You've got it all. You've been given it all. And yet, something's still going on, inclining him to sleep on the floor. Old habits die hard. If you've been a Christian for much time, you realize that what has been going on in our hearts cannot be simply explained away by a few sinful acts of disobedience, a few missteps along the way. You realize, as Loveless says in his book, that it's much more complex. He writes, an organic network of compulsive attitudes, beliefs, and behavior deeply rooted in our alienation from God Oh, so much has corrupted our hearts. And God snatches us out, rescues us, declares us righteous, and begins a work. But oh, the heart is full, full of old habits, full of old cravings, full of old desires. But herein comes the grace of God for this very thing. God works to change us. A familiar verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18, wonderful verse, verse for all of us. And we all, with unveiled face, behold, beholding the glory of our Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is what God is doing in my life, in your life, in our lives together. From one degree of glory to another, he is transforming us. As we behold the Savior, as we look to him, the sanctifying work of the Spirit is taking place. For it is God who works in you 
both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's not that we were just given a push at the beginning. Good luck to you. Get you started off on the right path here. There you go. See you at the end. Hope you make it. No, there is a sanctifying grace of God stays with us moment by moment throughout our lives, there to be actively at work in us, rooting out all those old bondages, declaring over us again and again, you are not bound to those sins any longer. You have been set free. You do not have to pay back those offenses against you. You have so much supply. You have been forgiven so much, the reservoir of grace available to you. Oh, you do not have to exact a payment from anybody that's hurt you. You have more supply than you can imagine. Holiness is kind of a scary thing, isn't it? It's not easy. I wish I could just simply convince you that our holiness will prove to be our greatest happiness. Could I just tell you, God is not out to hurt us. He's not out to trick us. While confession and repentance is painful, know this loving Father is all about setting his children free, completely free, actually free, functioningly free in our daily lives. The fact should give us hope. God does this work. But friends, you and I have a part to play in this work as well. There is a passive part to it. There's also an active part for us in our sanctification. There is a participatory role. And it really, it only makes sense for it to be this way because what God is doing is making us actually holy. Like we're actually saying the right things, doing the right things, living the right way. It's like the the work is actually taking place to the point where it is actually changing our lives. It is not that we can just take the class, take some notes, pass the test, answer the right questions and say, okay, I've got it. No, you know something, but you ain't got it until you got it. We ain't got it until we're doing it, living it, walking it out. And this is what the Lord is after, which is why he's saying, look, we're going to work together. My spirit is going to initiate it. My spirit is going to guide it. My spirit is going to lead it. My spirit is going to empower it. But it will, in fact, be you being made holy. Here we could easily go off and talk about spiritual disciplines, a wonderful list of means of God's grace. Met with a few of the men yesterday morning talking about spiritual disciplines. What a grace from God that all the means to God's grace just laid in front of us. Here's a Bible. Here's your time. Come, seek the Lord 
pray, read, study. Here we are this morning in church. Come to church. Come fellowship. Kyle's testimony. Oh, I was not inclined. Then the Lord worked, and so I came in and I pressed in. Oh, surprise, surprise, the Lord met me when I came and gathered with God's people. All these wonderful means of God's grace drawing us to himself so that in those channels of God's grace, this grace of sanctification can be at work. This right here, this aspect is really one of the most vital and major evidences of renewal. This is what I find myself hungry for in my own life and for all of us as a church when we're actively seeing God's people changed and made holy. True spiritual vitality in the Christian's life and in a local church is really seen in the grace of God's sanctifying power in our lives. Now, I don't mean to imply that your personal growth is the sum total of the Christian life. That would be a mistake. If all we did was go around focusing on our own lives and our own sanctification, this, this would be a mistake. There's, there's much more to the Christian life than this. There's worship and evangelism and, and mission and, and giving and serving, and there's this whole broad purpose of God in, in our lives. But, but here, is the, here is the reality. Of all those good things, we can give ourselves to mission, we can go plant churches, but if, if the Spirit is not actively at work and you and I are not growing in holiness, if that sanctifying grace is not actually working in our lives, all those activities become quite shallow and eventually very ineffective. What really makes the difference is when you and I are humbled before the Lord and seeking God and saying, oh God, show me my heart, teach me and train me. And we're, we're yielded to that and we're hungry for that and we're enjoying that process. I was thinking of a little parallel illustration where I remember Tammy and I had some time off and we went and visited several churches and we went to one church that had just a phenomenal worship band. We sat in this auditorium and the stage was set and the professional musicians began to play and everything that came off the stage was glorious and wonderfully done. And then we noticed we were standing in a room full of people with their hands in their pockets. And we thought, something's not right about this. In other words, the, the, the real testimony, the real evidence of what God was doing was really, it, it was not about how polished and how sharp and how impressive. What would have been impressive was far less on the stage and far more in the congregation. What would have been impressive we're a, a room full of people that were humbled before God, joyful in worshiping God, 
however that was expressed, standing, singing to their heart's content, lifting their hands, whatever it might be, but this full expression of adoration for the Lord. Now, that would have been a testimony. That would have said something about what God was doing in that place. I hope that's the case for us. There's an initial work of sanctification. God sets the direction, gets us facing in the right direction, puts something in our heart with longings and desires. This is where we're going. This is what we're longing for. Then he continues with us every step of the way. Every step of the way, every day of your life, every hour of your life, the Lord is with you. You want to know what God is doing in your life. Maybe a lot of things. This much I know for sure. He is sanctifying you and me. He is at work. He has plans for transforming my heart and yours. And then we have the third, the end, the future sanctification. The promised future, complete, consummated sanctification. There is an end in sight. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Did you catch the means of change, of transformation? When we see him as he is, the more we see him as he is, the more transforming that vision of him is in our lives. And then John adds to it, there's a reason why we're telling you about the end game. There's a reason why we're telling you your sanctification will one day be complete because everybody who thinks about this purifies himself. As you think about this, this is where we're heading. God will accomplish it. We could easily compare stories about how how slow my sanctification is, how behind I feel where I ought to be. What a slow teach I am. When I was 27 years old and would apply for jobs, I would step in and tell the boss, I'm a fast learner. Now I'm 59 and I realize I need a decade or so to learn things. I need a long time I thought I could learn things quickly, and I'm realizing I'm kind of a slow teach. But I know where the Lord is taking me. I know what it's going to look like one day, and I purify myself as I meditate and realize and appreciate and think about the reality that what God's Spirit is doing in me He's going to complete it. Total and complete sanctification. Sorry if this bursts your bubble. Not attainable in this life. Not everybody agrees with that. 
but there it is. If you haven't realized it already, I could spare you some disappointment. It's not attainable. We continue to progress by God's grace. We continue to grow. We have some setbacks, sometimes a little step forward and two steps back. Over time, eventually, by God's grace, we're making progress along the way. I think it was David Paulson used the illustration of doing a yo-yo while you're walking up the stairs. You're like that yo-yo, you're down one day, you're up the next, you're down again, you're up again, but the Lord is walking us up the stairs, and so the downs are less down, and the ups are a little more up. And besides what feels like discouraging times in our lives, the reality is God is progressing us to where he's bringing us, and he shows us and lets us know this is where we're heading. You're going to be like Jesus. That's what God is doing. I'm going to trust that it was God's wisdom that you and I cannot obtain total sanctification in this life. I trust and hope that we will all continue to grow from wherever we are. And we were talking about this yesterday morning with the men. I never forget the little phrase from Hannah Whitehall Smith that there's nothing wrong with an apple in June. Apples in June are not ripe apples. It's June. They're not supposed to be ripe. And we're all in a process of growing, and you and I are where we're at because of where we're at. And that's not the problem. Not growing is a problem. But the assurance that the Lord knows where you're at, God is at work in your life, and he's taking you from here to there. I said, I believe it's the wisdom of God that we cannot obtain it because I imagine that if we could we would settle that this would be our home if we could attain total sanctification we would have no longing for the next home this is not our permanent dwelling the new heaven and the new earth is going to come down all things are going to be made new you and i are going to be made completely new the work is going to be completed it's going to be finalized we're going to be christ-like and all things will be made new and it's good that we don't have everything of that today so that we long for that day and look to that day we certainly have enough temptations already of settling in here. God is calling us to a greater home. I want to have the worship team come on up. So just in closing, folks, I just, I, I hope this is coming through to you. My aim this morning is not to stand up here and say, uh, you need to work harder at your sanctification. Come on, folks, we're falling a little behind. That's not my aim. It's not in my heart. It's not my desire. What is in my heart, what my desire is, is to tell you to look at what God has done for you in Christ. By calling you his own, by declaring you righteous, I want you to remember, never forget what God has done for you. 
setting you free. He got you out of that prison. Gave you a bunch of new resources. Set you free. And then look at what God has set out to do in your life. I know you're busy trying to organize the details of your life and your family and your vacations and your vocations and all this. Hear what the Lord really is doing in your life. He's changing us and making us to look more and more like Christ. He is breaking the power and the bondages of sin that still linger. Though you're declared free, we still find ourselves sleeping on the floor, do we not? And so God comes and he calls us and he tells us, you're free from that. I've broken that. You're free. Let's stand together. Lord, lead us into this ever-increasing new life in the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. Can we thank you for the grace of sanctification? Thank you for not giving up on us, slow as we are, yet you've committed yourself, allotted grace to us, sent enabling, empowering work of your Spirit to work in our lives to change us more and more into your likeness, and we love you for it. So settle our hearts with gratitude for what you're doing and what you've called us to so that out of that we would embrace this work not resist it but embrace it because it's a good work that you're calling us to it is a life of freedom and our freedom in you is our greatest happiness we ask this in jesus name amen